Y Group invites all AEC industry leaders to the 2024 AEC Small Business and Entrepreneurship Forum, the premier event for small firms in the AEC sector. Experience innovative strategies and insights on May 21st, crafted by Zweig Group's industry experts. Engage in keynotes and interactive sessions focused on recruitment, retention, and business growth. Join Zweig Group for this unique networking opportunity and take your business to new heights. Secure your spot today and be part of the AEC industry's future. Visit ZweigGroup.com for more information. The Zweig Group team looks forward to welcoming you. Welcome to the Zweig Letter Podcast, putting architectural, engineering, planning, and environmental consulting experts straight talk in your ear. These podcasts deliver great interviews with industry leaders and Zweig Group's three decades of invaluable research, leadership, management, marketing, client, and HR advice directly to you, free of charge. The Zweig Letter Podcasts let you develop personally and professionally, wherever you are. Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of the Zweig Letter Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and today we have another special version of the Zweig Letter Podcast where we're featuring a um, talk from our recent Hot Firm event that took place in Dallas, Texas this past September. This talk is called The Executioner, and it uh, features Phil Kyle, who is the Director of Strategic Planning at Zweig Group, as well as Michael Davis, who is a Senior VP with the Wantman Group out of West Palm Beach, Florida. It's a really great talk on the importance of strategic planning and making sure that all of your leadership lines up with your strategic goals and objectives and what to do when that is not the right, when, when uh, you don't have leaders that are lined up with your strategic goals and visions. It's a really great um, talk. There's, uh, there are, there's a lot of feedback from the audience uh, with regard to their experiences, but uh, certainly worth a listen um, to hear Phil and Michael talk more in depth about the importance of strategic planning in your design firm. And if you haven't already done a strategic plan or your strategic plan is more than five or six years old, might be time to dust off what you originally wrote out in your strategic plan and take a look at upgrading it, uh, maybe even doing a totally new st strategic plan because things change. A firm is like a living organism. And you know what you originally thought was going to be one direction of the firm 10 years ago, it may be a totally different direction now. And so really want to encourage you to be thinking long and hard about that. Let this podcast serve as a notice for how you should uh, undertake a strategic plan and, and what it looks like. And if you do need help with that, please feel free to contact us here at Zwy Group, and we'll be more than happy to go over what you currently have and maybe what you need. Uh, that's all for now. So without further ado, here is Phil, Kyle, and Michael Davis, the executioner. Enjoy. Good morning. So as you can see, there's no guillotine. There's no black hood. It's a kinder, gentler executioner. Not like the French Revolution. 
how it did. It's a, it's, it's kind of a almost a morbid, morbid title for the uh, session this morning, but it's an incredibly important topic. Just by a show of hands, how many of you have a current strategic plan? Majority of you, and that's what I assumed I would get in this room. This is a unique group of individuals, but that's not typically what we see across the industry. 86% of executive teams spend less than an hour a month on strategy. That's insane. You don't, have a, you don't have a roadmap for the future. You don't have anything motivating you. How are you, do you know when you're going to get somewhere or how you're going to get there if you don't have a, a roadmap? Worse yet, 95% of the workforce in this industry doesn't understand the strategy if we have one at all, if they understand that we have one at all. I talk constantly with, with teams and do employee surveys for the firms that we work with on their strategic plans, and, and most of the, the PM level and, and below has no idea where we're headed, which is extremely demotivating. It's, you know, recruiting and retention is only getting worse and worse. It's getting harder and harder for us, and I think most of us in here understand that, and it's, it's hard to find good people. Well, if they don't understand how they fit into the organization and where the organization is headed, then they leave. Look, look for other opportunities, other things to motivate them to move forward. 70% of strategic plans are deemed failures or they're not implemented at all. And so it's not just enough to have a plan. And that's why the title of this course is The Executioner, is the execution and implementation of that plan. That's the hard part. That's the part, you know, everybody has good ideas. Everybody uh, will bring to you things that we should be doing but it's how do you implement and execute those plans. So I can talk about some of the soft stuff, but I'll throw it out there right up front. You know, firms that do have strategic plans are 12% more profitable. And it really affects your bottom line. And that doesn't even, and, and just the statistics showing that we're not very good at implementing, that, that really has no bearing or no effect on that. So just think if we could take that 12% profitability, if we were able to implement and execute these strategic plans to a higher degree of efficiency, what, what, what's that number going to drive up to? What are you going to be able to do? Just the, the big uh, contention is as your firm grows in size, as, as WGI, one of the firms that we've been working with for several years and have had the pleasure of watching grow and expand very rapidly and very successfully, their profitability, that profitability rate can, can go up and up and up. And as you grow in size and you add more overhead and functions and, and typically people assume that bureaucracy and culture gets lost, or added during that process, but that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. If we're very intentional about creating culture and creating the future of our organizations, then we can make it what we want. So a strategic plan is really trying to effectuate order from the chaos that is within our organizations. Every single day we're faced with workloads and we never feel like we have enough time but we need to provide a strategic plan as a direction to move forward, to allow our, our employees to be motivated, to allow a common direction and a common goal to achieve together. It's, it's something that is incredibly, incredibly exciting for your employees, and they, they want to move forward, they want to make a difference, but they don't know how. And the dreaded word millennials, which I am one, on the upper end of that bracket still, they're looking for purpose. And I think that's not just exclusive to that generational group. I think purpose and drive and feeling like you can get up and make a difference and really impact the organization you work for is something that we all strive for. We all want to do. 
So it's my pleasure to introduce uh, the man of the day, the executioner <laughs> here himself, Mr. Michael Davis from WGI. So Michael Davis has really been involved in a very, he's got a unique and, and very impressive history. When he first started implementing and executing on strategic planning over 23 years ago, around 1996, and he's got a, a very good mix of public and private experience. And so he spent about the last 17 years in executive roles in the consulting industry. And so he's got a lot of experience to bring to the table, a lot of knowledge and information to share. And I kind of brought my cheat sheet for him because it's just some of the things that he's accomplished are so amazing. I want to make sure I get everything right here. Um, so he's the Senior Vice President and Chief Strategy Officer for uh, Wantman Group, which is an amazing, amazing firm. Um, it's a national multidiscipline consulting firm. He's responsible for the strategic planning and growth at WGI. It's including mergers and acquisitions and assisting with the overall leadership and direction of the firm. And that's uh, a very unique and a very unique role that's you know, a lot of fun. So WGI is one of the most successful and fastest growing firms in the nation. And that's why we've asked Michael to be here today. So some of the, some of the positions that he's held in the past, Deputy Assistant Secretary for the Army, where he was responsible for policy legislation in the Army Corps of Engineers, Civil Works Program, including environmental restoration, flood protection, dredging, and wetlands regulation including the development and authorization of the Comprehensive Everglades Restoration Plan and three water resource development acts in 96, 99, and 2000. He also served as the director of the Corps Regulatory Program. He was also the director of the, uh, the DOI Director of Everglades Restoration, where he was responsible for the development and coordination of policy and legislative budget proposals related to the restoration of South Florida ecosystem, including SERP and modified water delivery projects. He was the director of the White House Council of Environmental Quality, spent a lot of time in the Clinton White House, about eight years. In this position, he was responsible for the National Water Resources, NEPA, and Wetlands Policy. And finally, he was the chair of the White House Wetlands Working Group, where he was instrumental in the development of many national wetlands policy and regulations, including the mitigation, sequency policy, and mitigation banking. He holds a Bachelor and Master's in Science and Biology and Environmental Sciences. He sat on the Treasure Coast Regional Planning Council for 10 years, as well as the Pine Jog Environmental Education Center Board for the past 14. And one of the coolest things that I don't know if everybody knows about Michael is he's also a race car driver. So, kind of like our own little James Bond. So it's my pleasure to welcome and introduce <laughs> Mr. Michael Davis. change in gene frequency. 
uh, animals evolve and their, their genetics and the DNA changes. And why does it change? What are they getting out of it? They get a competitive advantage. And they're successful. Some species that don't evolve, they, they become extinct. I think our firms are the same way. We have to evolve as individual professionals. <clears throat> that rolls up into evolving as uh, firms. Strategic planning can give you the roadmap you need, and I, and I would argue you must have to control your evolution. Evolution is generally a fairly random thing when you talk about the wild. It shouldn't be random when you talk about our firms. Just a little bit of background. Uh, Phil gave you a little bit about WGI. We, we have over 400 associates. We're in six states and 14 offices and growing. We're problem solvers. That's what we do every day. We solve problems in a variety of different services. Uh, we like many of you in this room, perhaps most, we get the awards. Uh, we're growing fast. Uh, what's more important to us, frankly, is that we're annually one of the best places to work for. That means a lot to us. There's where we're located today. That may change next week, uh, next month. We have, we asked the question at WGI, what inspires you? And we're inspired by some simple things. Our culture, we're very proud of our culture. It inspires us. Well, effective communication inspires us every day, and it's essential if you want to work at, at WGI. Something that everybody in this room is going to say will inspire you is high-quality work. It's not negotiable at WGI, though. Uh, we really mean it. I'm sure you do as well. We're inspired by being committed to the WGI team and our clients. This is all on the wall in our lobby, by the way, uh, as you walk into to WGI. And we're, we're inspired by the communities where we live, work, and play. And play is a part of WGI, just like Jay said this morning. That was the fourth and final piece of his core values was play and having fun. And we, we believe that. Our president, Dave Wattman, CEO, you know, he, he talks about we were originally a family-started business. We maintained the good parts of that. We're now small, large firm, but we maintain some of the agility, the ability to make decisions quickly and get rid of the red tape, communicate really hard, and have fun. So we finished our latest strategic plan in April of this year, and it is our framework for growth and success 2018-2025. It'll guide us along the way. Why do you need a strategy? I think you all know you've done them. It'll help you define your position, it'll help you set the direction, uh, and it'll, it'll make you more valuable, give you a more valuable, valuable position in the future. Characteristics of any good strategic plan. Goals are simple, consistent, both short-term and long-term. A good understanding of what's going on around you in your world. What, who's trying to take your lunch? Uh, what's happening out there? And then a real appraisal of your own firm, your own self, the team. Uh, what do you need to do to be better? What do you need to do to evolve uh, as individual professionals and the firm? And then as Phil said, the reason that most plans don't help you much because you don't implement them. You've got to have effective implementation. So that's critical. So we started in, in 2017, and I'm going to share with you our story. Hopefully you'll take something away from that. Hopefully it will help you. And in the spirit of uh, elevating our industry, we're going to share with you some things. Um, we embarked on this planning process, looking out to 2025 to try to give us a guide to how we're going to grow. Uh, 
Our plan codifies our goals at the division level and at the corporate level. One thing we did this year, we also captured our history. Uh, the firm was started in 1972. We really wanted to, to capture the history of the firm in a, in a written document, and we did that in our plan. And we created a good baseline from for going forward so we can measure our success as we go forward. It's all in writing. Our value proposition, our vision is creative leaders delivering sustainable solutions. What does that mean? Sounds five good words, right? Uh, they all meant something. We poured over all five words for, it seemed like days and weeks, uh, and they all mean something very special to us. But the creative part is everything we do, whether it's working internally with our team, externally with our clients, how we design things, how we plan things, be innovative, be creative. We encourage that. We want our, our associates and professionals to do that. Be leaders. And it's not just the C-level folks at WGI. Everybody has to be a leader. Everybody has a responsibility to lead. Whether you're a project manager or you're a designer, you have an opportunity every day to excel and do something good and lead somebody. Lead something. We expect that. Delivery. Do what you say you're going to do. Do it when you say you're going to do it. Whether you're talking to your internal teammates or you're talking to our clients, whatever, do it. Sustainable. That means a lot. There's a lot of different things for sustainability or sustainable. Where, whether it's the, the, the landscape design that we put on I-95 in Broward County, uh, that needs to be sustainable and, and maintainable. It's how we look at things from an environmental perspective. We're, we're facing some real challenges in this country on sustainability and resiliency right now. So we're looking for our, our solutions to be sustainable. And finally, it all is about solutions. That's what we do. We come up with solutions. We solve problems every day. So that's our vision. Just some of our goals quick. I'm not going to go through all of these, but uh, as I said, quality is not negotiable. Uh, communication is not negotiable. Investing in technology. How do you distinguish yourself from the rest of the pack? One of the ways that we've done that is we've invested in, in technology, investing in people. Uh, we're really looking for people who have good attitudes, fit into the culture of WGI. Uh, they don't have to have a 4.0. That's good if they have a good attitude to have a 4.0, but it's not as essential. We can train them. We have a good training program at WGI. So our good people that have a good attitude fit in. Have fun. Make sure it's safe. Promote our brand nationally. That's essential. We have a, a, a very robust, very talented marketing machine that's branding WGI nationally. And everybody has to do that. We want our people to be opinion leaders, be thought leaders, be out there in the community, helping the communities, helping come up with solutions to problems. And then looking ahead, anticipating what's around the corner. What's the next thing in our industry? Sea uh, level rise is a good, great example for the engineering community. Some of us in this room are working in South Florida. We're seeing it every day right now. We're trying to solve some of those problems. Autonomous vehicles. We could probably sit around and debate for the rest of this weekend, you know, autonomous vehicles. When they're coming, uh, if they're coming, I, I don't think it's, the debate is around yet. It's a clear debate about when. But we need to be thinking about that. We are uh, at WGI. Our growth goals, we're, we're clear. We're going to continue the path that uh, we, we've been on since 2013. And our, uh, we finished the year in 2017 this shy of 400 associates. We're around 420 or so today. 
uh, we'll meet that goal for 2018, getting us on a path to over 1,000 uh, employees in 2025. Same thing, revenue is pretty linear. It follows that. Uh, we were just short of 60 million gross revenue last year. We'll be probably 70 or so this year and heading to 200 in 2025. And as Phil said, you can't do this unless you're making money. You have to be profitable. You have to be efficient. And your strategic plan is a way to help you achieve some of that efficiency. We're generally pretty good at it. So how, how do we do it? you got to retain the good people you have. That's, that's a challenge. Uh, we're going to try to achieve some of this 200% growth uh, by making sure we take care of our good people every day. Understanding what they need, understanding how we need to treat them, uh, take care of them. Organic growth is tough. How many people are having an easy time hiring professionals right now? Anybody? Yeah, nobody. It's hard. Uh, so to, to get that 10 to 15 percent is it's a challenge, but we can do it. Having this helps you because virtually every interview we do today, we put this on the table. Because a lot of people want to know, what's your game plan? Where are you going? And we show them. We also have it on our internet. Every WGI employee should have read it by now. It's there. And because uh, they're part of it. And then the third leg of this growth stool is mergers and acquisitions. And that's ultimately probably uh, one of the critical ways that we'll get there. So why do we invest so much? You need a vision. You also need to plan. If you don't have both, you're really not going to have a lot of fun. You're not going to get where you want to go. If you do that, you, you have both of those things and you actually do it. It'll change your firm. <coughs> Why do we invest so much? Why do you need to do plan? <laughs> if you don't, you may not get where you think you're going, right? You, uh, you may not get there, right? So you do game plan. You need a roadmap. Wayfinding. That's what the strategic plan is all about. And sometimes you just want to stir things up a little bit. And I did this in honor of Mark. Why? <laughs> Mark, Mark is contrarian, provocative, and, and when they help us with our strategic plan, he will tell us that he doesn't think we're on the right track. So you need to stir things up a little bit. That's why you do a strategic plan. Uh, take some risk. If you listen to Jay this morning, he was talking about uh, these things. So growth is good, and it's better than good. It's essential in our business. We need to grow. Um, at WGI, we want to and will continue the success and growth we've experienced over the past past decade. The plan is our roadmap. And you know, we just like being a hot firm. It is pretty cool to come here and get awards. We kind of like that too. That's, that's, that's a reward. That's a good part of some of this. So what, what do we find that's essential for strategic planning and developing a good plan and actually executing the plan? So there's kind of some ingredients in the WGI hot sauce. I think I saw a kid in the room. But, you know, it's not special sauce, it's hot sauce. Uh, we'll go through each of these. Inclusive and transparent process is essential. A leadership method. I think everybody would agree that the leadership doesn't buy into this. It's not going to happen. It may happen, but it's not going to Capturing, in our case, WGS history was important to us. We need to understand it. 
Understanding our culture, our DNA, how we are evolving as a firm. That's important. Then our associates, they have to own it too, because at the end of the day, the 10 or 12 of us on the senior leadership team in different jobs, not at the job one. It's going to be the rest of the team that's going to be the one. And I would argue for you, and I'm going to put a plug in for our friends here at Dwight, you need help. We're pretty good at what we do, uh, but you still need help. And facilitation from, from Dwight is, is, is really, really important and valuable. Good investment. <coughs> the penultimate thing here is follow through. You've got to just do it. Otherwise, you're wasting your time and money. You just get up and, and, and then be adaptive because our planning horizon is 2018 to 2025. We know things are going to change. The day we issued the plan on April the 24th of 2018, things started changing. So we know we're going to adjust along that seven year path. We'll redo the plan before the seven years. You gotta have that guy, you gotta have some star out there that you're, that you're going after. So you gotta be willing to change. So we used Dwight for facilitation in the mid to mid 2017. They did a lot of confidential interviews with our staff, uh, and, and that was very important. We did the classic SWOT analysis at each division and then a corporate uh, level. That was important. <clears throat> this was really important though. Build this from the ground up. These are our main divisions in the firm, and each, each of our division leaders and department leaders, they got together, generally without us in the room, and, and they built their, their roles. They built their roadmap for their division, and then we took that, and that is the solid foundation for the WGI strategic plan. Uh, once we got all that information, we actually did go off-site, and I encourage you to do this. It's, it's expensive. We went off to a a nice hotel near the beach. I don't think any of us saw the beach for <laughs> nearly three days. Uh, really, we did. We were in a conference room. I think the blinds were closed the whole time. And it was essential to get everybody's phone out of their hands, get their laptops closed, and have them focus on what had happened over the last six to nine months in building the plan. We had, we had uh, Phil's team there, uh, Mark was actually there, Chad was there, Jamie Claire. Uh, helping us facilitate this conversation about how we pull it all together. That was the framework. Then we developed our corporate goals. That's where we set those targets of 1,000 employees by 2025, north of $200 million revenue by 2025. We set the targets in that planning process. And that sounds easy, but it wasn't easy. We had a lot of debate about that, a lot of good conversation. We had about 30 people from the team in that room and a really healthy dialogue about this. The next thing is leadership commitment. It's unequivocal at WGI. The leadership team has all on board. They're leading this with our associates. They're committed to getting this job done. Some of the things that we've we identified in strategic plan as part of our leadership principles. And leadership, using these principles, we're not just talking about the sea level team. We, we adopt these. We try to apply these in our lives. But we, we're talking about all the leaders in WGI need to use these principles. You've got to be honest. You've got to have integrity. Communication. Are you picking up a theme of communication at WGI? We talk about it every day. It's essential to make your firm better. Attitude. We really like people who have good attitudes. Not smart people. We like people who have good attitudes. Transparency. 
part of the WGI DNA. We, we, we share stuff with ourselves. Mostly it's all good news, but sometimes it's good news. We share that too. It's all, it, it goes out there. Uh, curiosity, that's a good one. We want people to ask questions. We want, we want people to be provocative, like push back. We encourage that. Making a difference every day kind of rolls up into all of that into making a difference. Part of the plan, we captured our history. I mentioned we, we, we wrote about Joel Wampen, the founder of our firm in 1972, and the great things that Joel did to create the, the solid foundation, the rock-solid foundation that everything we do at WGI now has been built on. Joel, Joel's legacy is that foundation of client service and high-quality work. That's, that is WGI DNA. Dave took over, Dave Wantman, uh, took over in 2005 as president and CEO and fundamentally changed WGI from a firm that was focused a lot on private work, very successful, to a firm that quickly moved and evolved into public work, particularly transportation public work. We've been very successful doing that because of David Wantman's uh, uh, leadership. His vision at the time to, 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 to facilitate the evolution of WGI Wampen uh, group at the time. So we captured our baseline again. So everything we do going forward now, we know is going to be based off, our growth is going to be based off of this graph. Our culture, again, I mentioned, you've got to think about your culture. It's really important because if you're in the mergers and acquisitions game, culture is probably the most important thing that you have to do when you're talking to firms. Uh, how does that culture work with WGI culture? Will it work with WGI culture? It's essential to know that and understand that. And, and there's, there's cultural blending when you have these firms coming in. And that can be a good thing. But you've got to understand how, what it is and how and if it will work. That's important. Communication, quality, commitment in our community. Caring. These are things that inspire us. It's on our, it's on our wall in our lobby. With a lot of other stuff. Having fun. We want people to get in their car every day and drive to WCI, their office, whether it be the 14 we have around the country. And generally, be excited about getting there. On most days, if they can't do that, they're probably not in the right place. Because they're going to spend more time with us than they do anybody else in their life. That's, that's important. Second, the next thing is getting by. All of us in the senior team, we could have done this. We'd be proud of ourselves and pat ourselves on the back. We got a great green book. It's our plan. We not do anything if our associates don't believe it. In our case, they were part of They helped us formulate the plan. We built it from the bottom up. But they have to own it. They have to be part of this team that implements it. We do some of this by we actually empower people. Uh, we let our good professionals lead and make decisions. We push it down as far as we can. Let them on a day-to-day basis. Most of us in the senior team, today, we probably know about 5%, 10% maybe of the projects that they've just what's going on. And we don't need to know. We need to have good people taking care of that stuff. And they do. If they're not, fix that problem. That's another thing. Fix it. 
And we ask for help. That's one of the best things. Facilitation. Uh, you need a good crew. Sometimes uh, we just don't know what we don't know. And so in this case, we asked the white group to come in and help us facilitate this, making sure that we were the process was right, making sure we were asking the right questions and doing the right things process and making that a little bit of You need a good crew because they're going to see things and hear things that we want. We, we're pretty, we listen, I hope we're pretty good listeners, but we're going to miss some stuff. So you need that kind of neutral, third-party eyes and ears to be part of your team when you're doing this. We're going to, I'm sorry I'm using racing stuff here, but we're going to miss the apex from time to time. And these guys can tell us, hopefully tell us ahead of time, we're about to the garden and you need to steer a different direction. But having these guys also kind of reduces the, the anxiety and some of the reservations that your staff may have. They may not tell David and I or Cindy and I uh, what they're really thinking. They, they'll tell these guys, that's good information. And so it improves the participation in the process. It's less threatening to them, less intimidating to them. So it's, it's really important to have some help. So why do strategic plans fail. I'm not going to read all this. This was from Forbes in 2011. Uh, one is, I did a plan. I wanted to do a plan just so I could say I have a plan. That's going to fail. That's the only reason. Not understanding the, the world around you. Not having your eyes open and your ears open and seeing what's really going on in our world. Paying attention to changes. Uh, one of the First things that several of us do every morning, we get emails on the business content, on housing, what's happening. We're trying to watch that stuff on a day-to-day basis. Not that nobody gets panicked by these things, because it's three different things, three different things. But we read it, try to understand it. If you're only partially committed to it, if your senior team is not committed, it's not going to work. If you don't have the right people that help you build the plan, the right people to help you exit the plan and still fail. This is a classic. I got a great plan. I got a great green book here. I'm going to stick it on my bookshelf in my office. And, hey, maybe in a few years we'll pull it out and look at it. I'm really happy. I go around and Cindy Sackenoff, our VP for HR, is here. She's got it in her inbox. It's sitting in her inbox. And she hasn't moved it since April. I know she's read it. Uh, it's there. It's her reference. You can't put it on the shelf. This is a good one because, as I said, the day we launched this plan, things started changing. The world around us started changing. Opportunities became available that we weren't aware of on April the 24th of 2018. So you've got to be willing to change, to change direction. <laughs> Maybe we didn't get completely right in that plan. Certainly, the further we look out in that planning horizon, seven years. Things can change. Sometimes you have the wrong people in leadership decisions. You have a great plan, you just don't have the team to get it done. You gotta recognize that. You gotta do something about it. Ignoring the marketplace, the reality, what's really going on around you. And the economy, the environment, what's 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 really happening. You just put blinders on because you don't want to see the bad news or you don't want to see the good news. You're gonna miss something. 
Nobody's following through. There's no accountability. Plan fell. And if you said, we're going to set unrealistic goals. If we just said, you know, by 2025, we're going to be 50,000 people and a billion dollars revenue. That would sound good. Probably couldn't do it. It would be hard. We don't mind doing hard things, but we want to do things we can actually can do. And uh, so you've got to be realistic. got to be committed. I want to show you some of the things that illustrate why I think WGI is committed to the plan. These are some things that we've actually done since the plan was uh, rolled out in April. Each division has developed their own business plans. 2018 is done. It's, in the, you know, it's done. We're working on 2019 business plans right now. That's part of the strategic plan was to have these individual annual business plans. So that's all being done. By December the 14th of this year, all the 2019 business plans for every division will be completed. One of the things we said we were going to do is stand up a crisis management team and do a crisis management plan. Uh, we unfortunately had a, had a, a pedestrian bridge collapse in, in Miami. Six people died. Fortunately, we weren't working on the project. Uh, but we know the people who work. They're good people. And, and they may or may not survive uh, getting through this. It should be a wake-up call for everybody. What are you going to do when Anderson Cooper shows up on your front door, the camera crew? Steve would be fine. You don't know how to do it. Uh, <laughs> what are you going to do? You have a plan? Thought about it? Who's going to be your spokesperson? We've done this. We had our team meeting last week, our crisis management team met started with, with, with implementing our plan. We identified some key positions. We're clicking them off. We're trying to hire them as fast as we can. Anybody has any ideas, come up and see me after the presentation. <laughs> <laughs> We're committed to a, a very robust and thoughtful M&A strategy. We've identified targets, but the key point here is focus. Things are going to fly in that you didn't expect and you need to on. That's great, but you need to start with some focus, and we have a focus. We know what we're really trying to work on right now, and, uh, and that's, that's part of the plan. <coughs> One of the things that, that we've done <coughs> in this is stand up and create this strategy officer position that I'm, I'm very fortunate to, to be able to serve in. Uh, it helps facilitate our company. Just a little bit. What, what do I do every day? My boss is here, so I should, I've got to be accurate on this. Uh, it really does allow for a 24-7 thinking about strategic planning. And I'm allowed, for the most part, to avoid the micro-level distractions. How many of you get sucked into the weeds on projects? If you're CEO, you get sucked into the weeds, right? Senior VP, you're sucked into the weeds. I, I, I was like, I was an SVP over four departments, and you always get pulled in. This allows me, for the most part, to avoid that and, and think about the stuff that we need to think about if we're going to grow. I have to listen to the leaders. It's all, this is all coming from them. This is not top down, or it's not me telling them what they have to do. They're going to they're gonna tell me what they can do, what they think we should do. That's part of it. Making sure our growth is sustainable the best we can. 
We don't want to go out and do things that we think are staying. We're here for the long run. We're not going anywhere. And so we want to do that. Make sure we hire the right people. Make sure we acquire and merge with the right firms. The integration of new firms is part of my role. It's central. Uh, Jay mentioned it this morning in his speech about how important the integration piece is. It is, it is critical. Helping the other leaders in the firm develop their own individual strategic plan. Uh, helping the leaders form their business plans. Facilitating many strategic plans. We're doing that. And then measure the performance. As Phil said, making sure we're looking at how we're doing. Are we actually implementing the plan or do we really just have it on the shelf? We don't have it on the shelf. It's in our, it's in our, on our desk. We're looking at it. It's guiding us in all of the corporate and divisional level decisions we're making. It's our roadmap. This is a direction. And finally, it's a really cool job. I'm very lucky. I, I love what I do. Uh, and if you're a growing firm, I would encourage you. It is, I'm 100% overhead. It's wonderful. If you're a growing firm, you want to be successful. Many strategic plans, that's what we, we just finished one from our, for our public planning group. Uh, we did a day and a half facilitation of, of this group and set a roadmap for them. As, a, as one of our business practices at WGI. So I help facilitate those. I think they're valuable. It's really drilling down into that uh, more detailed level with, with, the, with the departments. Report card. It's important. Be honest. How are you doing? You've done 10% of what you say you're going to do? You've done 80% of what you say you're going to do? What you say? About 70%? Don't do it? Yeah, about 70%. I hope you don't judge us that way. And uh, leadership succession. That's a painful topic. It's an essential topic. I can't tell you how many times that, you know, we've, we've sat across the table from firms where the founders or the leaders have no plan. And pretty often. You know what goes with that? Almost no value. Because they have no game plan. Who's the next tier of leaders? That's what you're really buying. You're not buying the 75, 70 year old guy that's been very successful leading a small firm. You're buying the, the groups below him or her that'll be the next generation leading that practice. So often they don't have. So those, those discussions don't occur for a very long period of time. But you need a succession plan. We're doing it at WGI. Uh, we've got some pretty exciting announcements you're going to be reading about, hopefully in, in, the, in the paper soon, or you'll see some things going on here. We, we're all, and all the C-level folks on the team are trying to identify our successors. It doesn't mean we're leaving. We're not. Not anytime soon. But we want to start positioning people take our jobs. So in five, seven, ten years from now, when we decide to go out and do something different, race cars full time or whatever, uh, then somebody's going to take my place. We got to start looking for those people now. And we are actually doing it. We we we're, we just went through a search process for one of our division leaders. So he's going to be around for two more years. But we're going to name his successor probably the next one. He's going to be mentored for, for a year or so. You've got to have this. And I mentioned adaptive management of the plan. Look, 
you say you have a perfect clear crystal ball seven years out, I'm not going to believe your plan. It's not possible. It's, it's, as you Obviously, as you go out from the day you implement the plan, things start getting fuzzier and fuzzier and fuzzier. you got to have a plan because you need a guide. But you need to be able to adjust and recognize that things have changed. And what we're finding is things are changing, but what's really happening is opportunities change. You see new opportunities that come up you didn't necessarily anticipate. Maybe it's a new place. Maybe it's a new business. Things are coming up that we didn't anticipate the plan. And said, yeah, we need to explore that. May not make sense, but it might. So, so be flexible. So I'm going to ask you why you do strategic planning. And I'll ask you the question. Questions. Do you want to grow? Okay. If the answer is yes, then you need to retain your good people. They're the only asset we have, really. Right? People. You need a plan. The millennials are what the much maligned millennials, what I don't subscribe to, frankly, is they want to see a plan too. They're very interested in the leadership of the firm having a vision, having a game plan. So if you want to retain them, and like I said, you want to attract them. Having that green book on the table when you're interviewing somebody is helpful. You want to increase the value of your firm or your shareholders. Yes, right? The value in the future, because there might be a transition at some point in the future. You need a strategic plan. You really want to do that. You really leaving it up to hope. And hope is not a strategy. Questions? Thank you, Michael. Uh, I want to take wanted to leave some time for you guys to ask questions about power strategy, implementation, execution, what questions do you have? This is often nebulous for a lot of people. They don't know what it means, what it, what makes things effective versus not effective, and, and it oftentimes allows for this perception that it's not useful. And so we wanted to, to clear any of that up and, and answer your questions. So you know, who are you going to be, what are you going to do, and how are you going to do it? Yes, sir. So when you're looking at an act, a potential acquisition, and you're trying to determine if there's a match in the core values of your organization and the organization you're thinking about acquiring. How do you do that? Guys, a lot of you, you can look at all the data and the finances and stuff. That's that's the forensics if you're going to do do an acquisition. You have to do that. It's part of the service. You got to step. You got to go spend time with them. You got to go have a beer with them have dinner with them, you get to know them. And, and my experience has been kind of sort that out, with, at least at the gross level. And uh, there's always going to be things at the margins you might miss or you, know, you might find out. But I don't think it takes that long to kind of figure it out, a good cultural fit for your firm. First thing is you have to know your own firm. I think some firms struggle with What is the culture of the firm? And you have to start with that. I don't know. I mean, there's, there's folks in the room that done. Anybody else had experience in, in trying to match and understand the culture? What, what do you use? There's, there's nothing on the, 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 the laptop that I have, at least, that says, we're going to fill out all these boxes and tell me it's okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
so you gave a little bit of your job description. Uh, what what do you do to help implement the plan that you think won't get done if there wasn't somebody in your position? Every day I'm looking to see what we're doing to implement the plan. And I'm calling the vision directors to see if I can help them. I'm helping trying to help them with their business plans. And, and what happens is if you don't have somebody that can do that, and they get pulled into other things, in our case generates projects, maybe it's other other assignments or something, then it won't be a priority. So every day my focus is how are we doing? What do we need to do next? We said we're going to do a crisis management plan, so who's going to write that? And who's going to, to call the meeting and make sure it's done? So every day I'll make those things. Goodbye. Yeah, Michael, why did you decide on an eight-year time horizon? That, that seems to be quite a bit longer than you know, kind of what the textbooks say or what a lot of other people are doing. And when was the last strategic plan that you did? Was it another eight-year horizon or more like three to five? It was shorter, and Dwight helped with that one too. It shorted. I, I uh, think it was in 14. 14, 2014. Yeah, and twenty twenty five sounded really good to us. And uh, there's nothing magical about it. And you're right. Most classically, most strategic plannings are like three to five year horizons. Uh, we wanted to get to a thousand. Thousand is a good number in our business, right? Thousand employees. And that we think it's probably going to take 2025 to get to that thousand. And again, we understand that as we get out away from April of 2018, things will change. We'll be making adjustments. We're not going to wait to 2025 to do our next future plan. It'll, it'll be changed. It'll be updated probably in a few years. I was like, Michael, why the thousand versus tying to that? You got 200 million as a revenue goal versus, you know, the goal of you know, having certain coverage geographically or whatnot. Why would that come through during your playing period? Both of those games. The, the, the services in a lot of different places is pretty a goal. And uh, in some ways, it's easy. We, just, we looked at what we've been doing for the last decade, I said, which is very, as Phil said, we've been very successful. We're one of the fastest growing firms in the country over the last five years or so. So we said, what if? We just kept doing that, that level of growth, that 20%. Where does that lead us? That's where it lets us. So we, we, we didn't just blindly pick up out and it's like, okay, we want to continue. We think we can, get, we, can, we can sustain what we've been doing over the next five to seven years. And where is it going to take us? And that's where it took us. But here. Did I hear you say you had 30 people in the room for this planning session? And how could that be effective? <laughs> it was 30 non-opinionated people, senior people in WGF. Uh, <laughs> in part, it was effective because we did our homework before we got there. Okay, there was a lot of stuff that had been done before we walked into that conference room at that hotel, I think by the beach. Uh, <laughs> and Mark and Chad and Jamie Claire, they did a good job of facilitating. They, they kept us more focused on some things. Uh, and that's how we got through it. Do you feel like that's appropriate? I, it, it can give inclusion, but it can also just have to go all over. It's a great question. It was a little bit of a, it was a little bit larger probably than we ideally would have had. We'd have probably kept it to about 20, but we couldn't. 
because everybody in that room is sitting in a chair because they didn't <clears> be in that room. And that gets to the ultimate buy-in. It wasn't just the C-level folks at WGI, it was the division directors, and even some below that. We needed their opinions, and we needed their buy-in. It needed to be their plan. So we balanced the, the fact that it was a little bit larger crowd than we would normally have. Uh, recently, when I helped facilitate the uh, public planning strategic plan, we had nine people. It was a great, great size to work with. But we balanced that 30 people with, with the notion that we need them to implement it. They need to be part of this. It worked. I, I don't think it was. I mean, Dave, you were there. Is it, was it was a challenge for us? We, we've done it twice for 30 but you have, to, you have to really understand what Michael's telling you, and that is that before we spent 48 hours locked up in the room, we had been working on that plan for six or nine months. And that just that wasn't emails, and that wasn't just a meeting. That was every division meeting with eight or ten people, multiple times with the facilitator, coming up with their mini plan before we took it off to the group. And so that group was a culmination. It wasn't our brainstorming sessions. All that happened before we got there. I have a follow-on question. <laughs> Chief Strategy Officer, Chief Executive Officer. How many advantages of having a Chief Strategy Officer versus the Chief Executive Officer being that person? I, I get to participate as much or as little as I want to from my perspective. So if you haven't figured it out, I don't understand what our mission is and what our culture is. We've done a fabulous job of articulating that today. And if, if we don't have Michael, then I have to be and if I have to do that job, we're not going to go If I have to make sure that we're implementing that plan, it's, it's 80% of the week. It just is. And so, and I can tell you because we've done four or five plans the last 20 years, and some we hit on, some we didn't. But I will tell you, up until the last couple of years, the ones we hit on the most, there was just as much luck as there was strategic checkbox. And, and so, as, as, you, as you saw, you know, from my whole business strategy, we are lucky to be there for us. And so, you know, we have that position because we are going to hold ourselves responsible. One thing Michael didn't articulate or didn't show on, our, on his slides, that accountability is a huge thing for us. And we spent, as you can imagine, a ton of money. By the time we're done with this plan, we spend well in the seven figures implementing it, well into maybe eight figures. And the reality is that if we're going to spend that kind of money, spend our time, we're going to execute, period. We're going to hold ourselves down. And that's what, that's what your CEO has to say, and, and actually has, has to mean it when they say it. That's, it's not going to happen if you don't. He has to believe it. Yes, as Michael just touched on, he has to say it. We don't say this enough. We don't hear it as at the lower levels of the organizations. They don't know. You may be full well bought in and excited about where we're going, what the plan might be, but if you're not communicating that, if you're not telling people, it's not effective. And they, they don't understand. They don't get it. And it's not just a one-time thing. It's an over and over and over. It takes an average of three repetitions before anybody really internalizes anything that you're going to say. And that's why we hear on the radio and the, the news programs that you have to repeat the website, repeat the phone number three times, because that is, that is what it takes for us to, to internalize it. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, developing the, the strategic plan. I mean, it's it's done at a high level. 20, 30 people in 300 firms, five or six in 30. Those um, senior level people they get excited about. The plan. How do you how do you make sure that you can you know get the, the whole team? Is that I mean that's what you need to have. 
How do you get them fully excited about it too? Getting that buy-in from everybody, you know, the, the young men and women of the office. Right yeah, it's a great question, Alex, and it's not my plan. And and we 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 built it from the bottom up. We we went to our division directors, our leads, and said, bring in your departments, pick the people you want, do your goal set. Where do you want to be in five years? Where do you want to be in seven years? And, and, and how would you get there? So. They started. It's their plan. We just pulled it all together, and we just monitored it. Uh, we set corporate goals, obviously. And we have things, you know, like David said, we have some violent principles about quality, about accountability, and things like that. And that's driven from us, uh, communication and so on. But it's their plan. They built it. So it wasn't started at the top. It was at the bottom. I think it's essential. Um, follow up to that question including the younger generation and empowering them to speak because it's very difficult as a young engineer who comes into an office field that they are able to speak to authority and and they you know they're not older but they're seasoned generation (laughs) so do you have any intentional structured plan to get their voices heard to be to get them to speak up. We do, and we believe it. We, we, there's a lot of different arrows in our quiver to answer that question. One is, we have shareholders that are 33 years old in WGI, because they're going to be the future leaders of WGI. That's a center. They have a voice. They have a very powerful voice of shareholders. We, we engage everybody at all levels, <coughs> routinely, and if I'm looking at, back when I was helping manage four departments, I'm looking at the department directors. If they're not taking their staff to lunch or taking them out for happy hour and, and trying to understand what they really are thinking, then they're not doing the job. So we do try to get their input because they do have valuable input. They're, they're coming from a perspective that us old guys don't have. And we need that perspective. So we're, we're trying hard to tease it out. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you can sit in a room, sit with a beer and talk to these people, and they won't tell you anything. And then two weeks later, they'll tell you that they're unhappy about something. But most of them will tell you if you give them the opportunity and give them a meaningful, non-threatening opportunity to talk to them. Somebody at the back had their hand. Yeah, I just had a question about um, how often do you communicate how you're doing? I mean, I know you said you got it on the internet, so your plans it's out there and people can access it all the time, but how often are you communicating the metrics that you're measuring and is it a monthly thing? Is it a quarterly thing? Is it a daily thing? Um, and what tools are you using to communicate it to the entire company? It's, it's, a, it's multiple things. I think we'll do an annual report. At the end of the year, we'll probably we'll sum up how we did for the for 2018, where we are, what we what we've hit, where we need to focus in 2019 on the plan. We'll do that. But we're talking daily with with our leadership team, the directors and, and others about you know, how are they doing? Are they are they? We said we're going to put a landscape architect in Jacksonville. And, and so I'm going to go talk to the VP for that group and say, you said you were going to put a landscape architect in Jacksonville by January. I said, have you started the recruitment process for that? So we're, we're monitoring it kind of like that informally, but we'll do an annual report to see how we do it. Uh, performance of the firm, we're very open. We, we publish quarterly on our intranet uh, how we're doing, gross revenue, net revenue, multiplier, 
uh, profitability. It's all put out there that when they, when they go into the our very robust intranet, that's the first thing they see. They can't miss it. How we're doing? Uh, you made uh, reference that uh, you have a leadership team that's committed to growth. As WGI was growing at an exponential rate, did you actually have or deal with senior leaders that are more interested in maintaining the size of the firm than they were growing the firm? And if so, how did you deal with those issues? No. I'm going to ask David to answer that question because he was there before. I've been there four years. and uh, But if, if you're not inclined to want to be part of the WGI growth machine, then you don't need to be there. I think we're all picked because we're kind of wired to be part of that. I don't know, David, you, add, you heard the question? I heard the question, yeah. I mean, you want, you want the answer, the answer, right? <laughs> <laughs> and we've done it. And so, yeah, if they're not if they're not on the team, guess what? They're not working. So, so you guys have all read those articles about, you know, higher fast, higher slow, whatever it is, right? If you're not on our team and you're not, if you're not completely on board with growth, then you're not working. Shareholder, not a shareholder, been here one year, been here 10 years. We're, we're, we're leaving you behind. Even if he was with you when you started the company? I'm sorry? Even if he was with you when you started the company? Absolutely. We had a shareholder, gosh, I don't know, after the recession had been with us for 10 years, one of the first five shareholders, and his group was lagging. And we came out of the recession, and it should not have been. And uh, we made a decision that he wasn't the right person. He didn't. He didn't completely embrace growth, and he wasn't dynamic, he didn't like to communicate. And uh, actually, I actually realized it when I was sitting in a parking lot in DOT in Texas one day. Something happened, and I said, that's it. As soon as I get back, it's a little bit. And I, I got back the next day. I sat in his office, told him, you know, the days here uh, were over. And, uh, and I'm sorry it didn't work out. We'd be in touch in the future, but, you know, back up. And I'll tell you right now, that that group, uh, 10 years later, it's probably quite triple in size and is doing amazingly well. Because look, if, if you don't grow in this business, it's where you don't. You don't stay the same. Sure, inflation, you lose. No, just with inflation, you should grow, right? So, yeah, so if you're not growing, you're shrinking. And shrinking is a slow fit. It's slow death in the consulting business. Get a plan, execute it, and grow. How many firms here on the ER 500? Right, so every one of us at the ER 500 gets what? You got 499 other firms that are just like That's not really that exciting. <laughs> Sorry. I wanted to be in my whole life when I got there 50 years, 20 years ago. Right, right. 499 firms just like that. Why would different? Well, thank you. That's, that's about all we have time for. And I just want to leave you on, you know, if you do this, Create a plan, you implement and execute effectively, hold people accountable. You become individual superpowers in your own respective firms, in your own markets, in your own areas. You inspire others, you attract the talent. This is an incredibly, incredibly powerful tool, not to just increase your bottom line, but to increase your quality of life. So thank you so much. Um, if you want to come and, and pick our brains some more after the, after the session here, feel more than welcome. Thanks for tuning in to this Zweig Letter podcast episode. If you want more wisdom and inspiration, in addition to information about M&A, strategic planning, 
HR, and marketing your firm. Subscribe now to the digital version of the Zweig Letter free of charge. Just visit thezweigletter.com slash subscribe and leave your email address. Your free subscription will begin immediately.